let me do a quick check-in with you all. I'm just wondering, um, in, in your pace of life and how you guys are feeling today, how, on, um, on a 10-point scale, how like, busy and stressed out are you like this past week? Uh, just a, a show of hands, like would anyone rate themselves like an 8 or a 9 or a 10 or anywhere around there? Okay, actually a good number of people. Um, I, can I just uh, give a, just a, a few words of uh, advice? Uh, so Raina and I have been feeling the same way. Like it's, it's been crazy busy uh, recently, even to the point of tears, right? Um, and so I think Raina just got my attention a couple of days ago and basically said, hey, listen, um, this is just unsustainable. Uh, we have to really take a look at our schedule and here's the principle uh, for all of us, right? I, I think we have to sacrifice good things, like good things, in order to make time for like the best things. Like that's just the principle of life, right? There are good things that we're doing. It's like you don't know which one to let. They're all good. I, I think we need to let go very intentionally and prayerfully of good things in order to make room for the best things, right? Now, I, I will give you, like, a little bit of biblical, like, what, what are best things? Like, time with God is, is within the realm of those best things, right? And sometimes we sacrifice that so we can make more room for these good things, and we're busy, and, and then um, life just seems unmanageable, and then joy goes out the window, and then we're, like, doing stuff out of obligation and bitterness, not rain on me, okay? <laughs> but, but okay, anyways, we want to be a church that is healthy, spiritually, emotionally, and, and otherwise. And so that's one of the hard decisions we have to make. Uh, I know a lot of you guys know this, and so maybe this is a reminder. Um, but so this week, Raina, Caitlin, and I are getting together, and we're going to go through our schedule. Caitlin doesn't know this yet. Um, and we're going to start, like, looking at our schedule and killing good things, right? And so uh, I would encourage you guys to do the same because we need margin for the best things. And, and when Jesus says abide and he talks about fruit, I think that's, um, that's a principle that goes into that practice, okay? Uh, by the way, um, I haven't really started on the message yet. Um, <clears throat> All right, uh, for the next three weeks, uh, we're going to be talking, well, okay, it's pretty obvious what we're going to be talking about because it's in the bulletin, but so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to I'm gonna jump in a different way, all right? I'm going to read a verse of scripture to you that is totally in the Bible. Uh, most of the times it is, right? So, but it's something we are commanded to do. You could call it an instruction. Here's the thing. I'm convinced that most of us really haven't been doing it. And I'm just going to confess to you like proactively beforehand. I haven't really been doing this as well. But then the whole message is going to be based on why you probably should be doing this. Okay? Um, so 
It's from uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 14, and then we're going to go to 12, but here, here's the verse. It goes like this. First Paul, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, and he says this, pursue love. Okay, those are the first two words. Now, I think right, right now we're like, no, no, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm, I, I've been doing that or trying to do that. I'm, I'm pacing with you. Pursue love. Now, now uh, it kind of takes a turn. And earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Not my words. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. And um, can I just get a, a show of hands? Like uh, a little while I was asking you, like how many are super busy, eight, nine, or ten? A fair number of hands went up. Can I just ask you, like how many of you have been earnestly desiring and pursuing spiritual gifts? I can't even raise my own hand. Anyone? You know, one person in the back, God bless you, brother. Um, now, here's a, a good question. Why are you not? Now, it, it can't be because you don't respect the Apostle Paul. I imagine you're probably in the room because you have great respect for the Apostle Paul. It's probably not that you don't believe in the authority of Scripture. I be, you're probably in the room because you do have a great respect for the authority of Scripture. Then why haven't we been listening to Paul? Why have I not been listening to Paul? Now, this is going to sound really dumb, but if I'm really, really honest, I've been so busy doing ministry that I haven't really made time to ask God to give me the spiritual power to do it. And of course, I know that doing ministry in my own power is super limited, so I can't really achieve much that's eternal. So why am I not taking the time to ask for power? I don't know. I do a lot of dumb things, and that's probably one of them. But some of you are like, okay, honestly, why do we need them? Like, if I could just have someone sit down and explain to me, like, why we need them and what, what they do and their purpose and how it hits some kind of spot, then maybe I would actually want them, and if I, maybe I really wanted them, then I would probably ask for them. Fair enough. This is the whole purpose for this series, and there's a whole purpose for today, okay? Now, if we're talking about spiritual gifts, there's three go-to scripture. Number one is Romans 12. We're not doing that one today, maybe next week. Second one is Ephesians 4. We're doing some of that today, uh, but more of that next week. And then the third one is 1 Corinthians 12. Now, of all the scriptures that talk about spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12 is, how do I describe it, more weighted supernaturally. The ones in like Romans, uh, Romans 12 is a little bit more natural in a sense. The ones in uh, 1 Corinthians 12 seem more that they're spiritually gifts that are purely or maybe there's an emphasis on them being divinely enabled. But let me just argue this. You might have a professor at Cal who is an excellent teacher and not a Christian. How do you explain that? Well, the natural ability to teach is skill, still given to her by God. But a spiritual gift, I believe, is when the Holy Spirit divinely enables a person to do way more than the natural ability can do alone. When we start to talk about 
spiritual gifts, a lot of evangelicals say, you know, right, 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 the one in Romans 12, the one that awaited more naturally. Uh, I can relate to those better. And I'm going to say yes, but you have to include the ones in 1 Corinthians 12 as well. Uh, They might be more controversial, but we need all the gifts in order to be healthy. And we can't just pick and choose the lists. We have to include them all. And so today I want to give more attention to the ones that we might more naturally overlook. Next week we'll cover all of them and answer some questions that we have about spiritual gifts in general. But today we're going to cover the ones in 1 Corinthians 12 that are more weighted supernaturally. Um, Now, why don't we start off with the definition of spiritual gifts You can follow along in your bulletin. Here we go. Spiritual gifts are divinely enabled abilities given by the Holy Spirit for the common good of the church and her mission. Okay, let me me define that again. Spiritual gifts are divinely enabled abilities given by the Holy Spirit for the common good of the church and her mission. Okay, that's a basic definition. Now, let's do a a little bit of, like, I guess it's kind of housekeeping. Um, Han, can you flash the, um, the, uh, the, 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 the website address for the spiritual gifts? All right. Now, what we're doing here is a, is a good, hopefully a good way of learning, but I really feel like the learning you're going to take to the next level, if you take, like, a spiritual gift inventory and start to really dive in and think about what you are, what your gift mix is, right? Um, And so there is a uh, a free website. You can go, you can take the test, you can find out what what you might be, and, and then we can continue to converse with you as the weeks go on and kind of unpack what it means to be that and what the gifts are, okay? By the way, it would be great if you can put in that access code and then they'll know that we're all part of the same church and we can all be talking about the same things and the same people with a certain kind of gift mix. Okay, so that's for you guys. Uh, Be great if you guys could do that soon because then it'll be super relevant on Sundays and so forth. Okay. Now, let me share two passages about what the spiritual gifts are for why God gives people spiritual gifts and what it's all about, okay? This is what the spiritual gifts are for. First one is 1 Corinthians 12, 7. says this, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Oh, by the way, he's talking about spiritual gifts. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the... Fill in the next two words with me. Okay, it's for the common good. In other words, it's not so a person can say, look at my gift mix. I am so gifted. Wow, right? It's really given to you so you can serve other people for the common good. Everyone is serving. Everyone is building each other up. We're all getting stronger. Okay, I'll go to Ephesians 4, and I'm going to give you another one that, that talks about what it's all for. Okay, now in Ephesians 4, he's talking about the different roles that people play, and um, you can put it to an acronym, and the acronym is APEST. Let me hear you guys say APEST. Okay, A is for apostle, 
P is for prophet, E is for evangelist, S is for shepherd, and T is for teacher. Sometimes you get people who are multiple uh, roles, and it's really, really cool that they can actually do two things, or maybe even three things, equally well. Normally, someone in a leader position will do one of the five, you know? A pest. But what is it all for, okay? Where is this all going? And then we're going to read what's next. It's to equip the saints for the work of ministry. What's, what's the whole point of the spiritual gifts and the different roles? It's to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up. Let me, guys, hear you say building up. For building up the body of Christ. Okay, where are we going? Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. Let me just include the women there and say mature womanhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Okay, so in a snapshot, why should we desire spiritual gifts? Well, it's so that the church can be mature. Uh, the, the whole point of this message is that kind of is like, it's not my point. This is Paul saying these are necessary so that the church can be brought towards maturity. So, it, so church, do we want to reach the full manhood of Christ? Yes, of course we do. Do we want to reach the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ? Yes, of course we do. Do we want to see the common good in the church? Yes, of course. And then imagine Paul saying, and that's why you need all the spiritual gifts, not just Romans 12, but also 1 Corinthians 12 as well. Now, what we're going to do is I'm going to read uh, 1 Corinthians 12 to you. We're going to go through the list, and then I'm going to spend some time explaining the list. And while I'm explaining the list, I want you to be thinking, do we really need that as a church? Do I really want to see that happening in my community? Okay. But before we go there, some of you might be saying, Pastor Andrew, I don't believe that the spiritual gifts are operative today. There's a word for uh, people who subscribe to that kind of thinking. It's called cessationist. They've, people who believe that believe that the spiritual gifts have ceased. So cessationist, right? And uh, Pastor Andrew, you seem to be a continualist who believes that the spiritual gifts are still operative today, Okay. And so you're like, you know, I listened to John MacArthur. I think these gifts have closed when the canon of Scripture was formed. What do we do? Okay. What I like to do in the space of three minutes is try to convince you otherwise. And I realize I won't be able to do that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to summarize uh, one of the Bible teachers that I listened to. And, and if you are not convinced then let's have coffee. I, I do not want, no one wants this topic to be divisive where you'd be like, you know, I've had it with this church, I'm leaving. No, 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 no. Let's have coffee first, okay? And then we're gonna go to the Bible and we're gonna see who has the best read of scripture, okay? How's that sound? Okay. But let me give you the three-minute version. All right. Uh, John Piper, I think he really wrestled with this issue and his conclusion was this. He's like, look, you see this table right here? I could put a stack of books written by authors who don't believe that the spiritual gifts are operative today. So, boom, there you go. Imagine the stack of books right here, right? 
Now, on the other side of this table, I could put a stack of books of other authors who believe that um, the gifts are operative today, okay? Both of these sides, godly people, both of these sides want to see the kingdom come, fully devoted Christians, but they, they disagree on this topic. Now, here it kind of gets a little bit more interesting. He might point to the first stack and go, you know, I might even respect the people on this stack more. But in the end, I'm going to side with the people on this side who believe that these gifts are operative. And I'll tell you the reason why. The reason why is because when I read the Bible plainly, with the best skills that God has given me to read them, I don't see any evidence. I don't see any substantial evidence that would make me say, yeah, the gifts have closed when the canon closed. It would put me more in the continualist camp that believes that God is still doing these amazing things that he's doing through supernatural power because right now there's still people who don't know Jesus and right now the church needs revival. Boom, put me in here. All right, that's my three-minute version. I don't know if that convinced you enough. Let's have coffee, okay? Now, why don't we keep on going? Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11. All right, here it is. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the, those two words, help me out, for the, okay. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. I just want to point out that it says gift, plural, gifts, gifts of healing, okay? We'll come back to that. Gifts of healing by the one spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Okay. All right, I'm going I'm to go through each of these. I'm going to try to give you a definition. I'm going to try to show you what it looks like when it's working positively. And all the while, you're thinking, as a church, do we need that? In my community, uh, do, do I need that for maturity? Do we need this for maturity? Okay, here it goes. Word of knowledge, or word of wisdom, word of knowledge. By the way, there's different schools of thought on this one, but on the definition and Personally, I'm going to go with the charismatics on this one. Um, I don't identify as one, but I think their definition is better because I think it makes, just makes more sense given the context of this church that Paul is writing to, okay? So um, here is the uh, definition. Spirit revealed insight into another person's life. Spirit revealed insight into another person's life. In other words, the Spirit reveals to you something about an individual, or it could be a community, but there's no way that you could have known that through natural means. The Spirit enabled you to know that, and that's how you know that. So it is a bit of a miracle. It is a bit of a supernatural. It's a, it's a supernatural, Spirit-revealed insight into another person's. Now there's distinction between wisdom and knowledge. The wisdom is more like how, like, for example, how Scripture applies uniquely into a person's life. And then the knowledge is more like the what. 
What is it that was revealed that was insightful? Now, I'll give you one example. Jesus is with the Samaritan woman. They're at the well. They're having this really engaging conversation. You know the story. And then Jesus says, hey, why don't you go and call your husband? And then let's, let's continue this conversation. And the woman says, I, you know, I don't have a husband. And, and Jesus says, right, um, you've had five, right? And like the man you're with now isn't really your husband. And she's like, oh, how did you know that? Right? And then she goes, you must be a prophet. Okay, how did Jesus know that? It was divinely revealed to him. Well, he is the son of God, you could argue. But it was divinely revealed to him, and that's how he knew that, right? But that's what the, the, the word of knowledge gift kind of looks like when it's working well. I'll, I'll give you another personal example. So I, I went to an evangelical church, but there were two charismatics that came to our church and I would say that they brought this revival to our church, and I became a Christian um, as a result of their ministry. But shortly thereafter, they're having a meeting, smaller group. It's like five to ten of us, and we're in this room, and we're praying together. And then the leader, his name was Steve, is praying. And then after he prays, he says, you know, I just feel like the Lord revealed to me that one of you has a relationship with your mom that's not so good. Now, you know, we're all looking around the room. It could have been any one of us, honestly, you know? And so none of us are like fessing up or like, yeah, that's me. We're, we're just quiet. And so we continue to pray, and then Steve says, okay, no, I think what God is showing me is that right before you came to this meeting, you said something disrespectful and mean to your mother, like right before you came here. And I'm looking around the room and suddenly I realize it's me. That's me. I, I, right before I came to the meeting, I said something really disrespectful to my mom. And so I was like, oh, it's me, <laughs> right? And, um, and so I, I, I repented before the Lord and said, I'm sorry, Lord, help me to, to treat my mother better. Okay, so that was an example of the word of knowledge. How did Steve know that uh, it must have been revealed to him supernaturally by the Holy Spirit? So that, that's, that's what, sort of what it looks like. All right, let's keep on going. Uh, let's talk about the gift of faith. The gift of faith. It's here on this list. Um, again, you can define this one differently. I appreciate how Sam Storms defines it. Here it goes. This is definition given by Sam Storms, the gift of faith. A spirit-given surge of confidence within a person in a particular situation of need, which gives an extraordinary certainty that God is about to act. Okay? It's a spirit-given surge of confidence within a person in a particular situation of need, which gives an extraordinary certainty God is about to act. Now, if you go to Acts 3, you'll see that Peter is kind of walking by a man who's begging for money. You know the story. Hopefully you know the story. And so the, the man is asking Peter for money. And Peter probably didn't have much at that moment. And he looked at the man and he says, look at me. And he goes, look, silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. 
And, and so, and then he reaches over, grabs the man's hand, and he pulls him up. Okay, now, I just want you to imagine G, uh, Peter saying, what I don't have, silver and gold, I don't have, but what I do have, I give you, in the name of Jesus, get on up. And there was no miracle to back up those words. Can you imagine what would happen? Okay, get on up, right? The guy gets up, he's like wobbly, falls back down. Get on up again, he gets up, and he falls away to the other side, right? Where is the church going at this point, right? That could have happened. My point is, how did Peter know that in the name of Jesus, get up, that it was going to happen? How did he know? Because I don't normally pray that way, right? So the only rational explanation I have for how that happened is that Peter knew through a gift of faith. There was a surge of confidence at that moment where you're going to be healed. I'm going to actually pronounce your healing, and it's going to be backed up with a miracle. There's no way you could have known that aside from some sort of gift, and we're calling in that today the gift of faith. Now, imagine how this could be useful. Imagine being in a place of great challenge, great need, great stress. You have a test. You're going to get up and speak. I don't know, there's a deadline. There's financial needs. And you're going into this, and then just imagine in that place of need, there's a great surge of confidence from the Spirit that everything's going to be fine. God's going to provide for you, which allows you to do something in faith, like what Peter did, which is, in the name of Jesus, get up. And then it actually happens. Could the church use stuff like that? I'm going to say yes. I've been in those situations before where I'm terrified. I'm supposed to get up here to speak. Sometimes my masseter muscles. I remember recently I was at a conference and I felt the Lord just saying, don't worry, everything will be just fine. I have this confidence. Got up there. Do we need this? I think we really do need this. All right, let's move on to the next one. Gift of healings. Gift of healings. Uh, Josh, I'm going to ask you to come on down. Just we're going to warm you up. Get ready. Um, now, I want to point out how the text says gifts of healing. It doesn't say gift of healing. If it said gift of healing, then I would assume, oh, I have that gift. So I can pray, and there might be healing for every kind of gift, right? Migraines, backaches, lactose intolerance. Just, you know, I can pray for all of it. It seems like gifts of healing means that maybe, you know, like Shruti has a gift for praying for people with migraines, and Yan has a gift for people with, like, bent backs or something like that. It seems like for that one, diff- different people can have a diversity of gifts, Okay, And I would also say that whoever has this gift cannot pray on all occasions and find healing uh, uh, all the time. How do I know that? Philippians chapter 2, Epaphroditus has a lingering illness, and Paul couldn't seem to do much about it, right? Timothy had stomach problems, and Paul's like, hey, maybe you should take some wine for that. He doesn't say, hey. Let's pray you up and you'll be fine. And then also this one, um, Trophimus. Uh, Paul was with Trophimus in Miletus. And he left him sick. Which is like, if you can heal all the time, you wouldn't leave someone sick. You'd be like, I'm going to pray you up, heal you, and then go. He left him sick. So I, I think 
I think it's clear that you, you don't have this gift that's operative at all times and for all occasions. Okay, that's a lot of caveats necessary to do that. But when this gift is working as it should by the power of the Spirit, it is so powerful and it is so sweet. So let me give you an example of this. This happened many years ago. Kevin was working for a company. Kevin used to be one of our former uh, chairman of the board. He happened to meet a woman at the water cooler, and she was telling Kevin her story, and there's some pretty serious sickness. Now, if you know Kevin in our church, he's not like raging, charismatic dude, okay? He's not that kind of guy, right? Very, very grounded, very, very grounded. By the way, not that charismatic people are not very grounded. See what I... Shouldn't have done there. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, but a thought popped into Kevin's head as he's talking to this woman. And the thought popped into his head, and then he just said it. You'll be healed in 10 days. And she's like, what? And he's like, what did I say? I can't believe I just said that. But, but I guess there is this confidence from the Holy Spirit, the gift of faith, that she's going to be healed in 10 days. So he just went with it. At that moment, freeze frame, the Lord said to Kevin, if you pray for her every day, she will be healed. So guess what Kevin does? He prays for her every day that she would be healed. Not big, long prayers, you know, not, not like fasting, it, but, but enough to actually really pray. Prays for her every day. Now on day eight, he's kind of like peeking in, kind of like checking, you know, like, are, we, are this going where I hope it's going? And apparently they have a conversation and she's not feeling much better. She's actually like, arguably, she's not feeling better. So they go, oh, I better keep praying. He does. Day number 10, she approaches Kevin and says, I feel great. I feel fantastic. What did you do? Did you do like an ancient oriental meditation thing? (laughs) He goes, no, but I'll tell you during lunch. So Kevin has lunch with her, he shares the gospel of Jesus Christ, and she becomes a Christian. Let me just pause right there and ask you, is that something in our church that we need? Would that help the church reach maturity in fulfilling her mission? Is this something we need? And if it is something we need, then Paul says, well, then you should ask for it. You should, how do you ask for it? Well, you should pray, pray and ask God for these gifts. Clearly, they're divinely enabled, and so we should be asking for them. Let me uh, bring up Josh, who also has a sto- story of healing. And this is fairly recent. He went to a conference. He wasn't expecting it. And God did something really cool. And so why don't we give a warm hand of welcome to Josh. Hi. Yeah. Um, so I was just going to share about a uh, worship conference that me and uh, a couple people from CLC went at in May. And um, if you don't know, most of you probably don't, uh, I've been wrestling with mental health for since high school, so I guess around almost, almost a decade, um, uh, primarily with anxiety and depression. And if you've never had or experienced what anxiety is, uh, imagine going to Starbucks and ordering an espresso with six shots, and then gulping that down, uh, lying down, and then placing a big rock on your stomach, 
and uh, trying to breathe, and that's basically what anxiety is. Uh, and so we're at this conference, and we've been worshiping a lot and praying a lot, and the worship leader asks uh, people to stand up. Um, she's just convicted um, to start praying for people with mental illness. And I'm getting anxious from her saying this, so I'm not going to stand up. Um, and so she says, all right, now if you know someone, um, a loved one or a friend that suffers from mental illness, please stand up. And I thought that I do know someone, that person is me, and so I stood up. And um, so the, my neighbors start praying for me um, the way it worked out. Um, none of us from CLC got to sit next to each other. And so um, these neighbors who I had been getting to know over the past day start praying for me, um, and I start praying too. Um, not really sure what's going to happen, but um, just trying to, to trust a little bit and have faith a little bit. And um, they pray, and that's it. I sit down. We go back to uh, whoever the speaker was. And about 45 minutes later, um, just felt this kind of go up. Um, and like this weight kind of go out of me. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's a fun, it's a fun sound. Um, but, but from that moment, uh, my anxiety left my body. And since then, I, I've never had um, a trace of anxiety. Again, it, it's weird having um, maybe situations at work um, and with friends where um, I, I used to have that sensation of anxiety and now just feeling like a regular worried and stressed is such a different feeling. And um, yeah, uh, it's just really a miracle of seeing God work in my life in a way that was just really um, undeniable. I just know that I, I, you know, I had wrestled too with our spiritual gifts. The thing is, does miracles still happen? And um, I, I just know that I, I used to be anxious, and now I'm not. So. Hey, so, hey, so Josh, the the anxiety has not come back. It has not. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And how long has it been? Um, so that was in May. So I guess it's been. Math. Nine months, I think. Nine months. Wow, that's amazing. Praise the Lord. Hey, let's give uh, Josh another hand. That is really, really awesome. Praise God. Now, I imagine Josh has a, a story to tell. Like, right, right now, he's getting up here and actually giving God glory by telling that story. Josh, I imagine you've told other people that story? Yeah. And, and so there's an opportunity, actually, to share the gospel and share about Jesus. Again, is that something that we need as a church? Is, is Paul off when he says uh, you should be desiring these gifts? And he's saying that it's actually to build the church up towards maturity in Christ. I don't know. I don't think he is off. At some point, I think we need to talk about abuses. At some point, we need to talk about, well, I've, I had this experience where it didn't really go work towards building up. And it was, yes, yes. I think I can't just give this message innocently and pretend that there haven't been abuses or people haven't experienced it where it really wasn't working as it should. And so let's talk about it. I'd love to hear what you've experienced. And again, we can do that over coffee, but maybe we can continue to talk about it uh, as we progress through the rest of this series. One more. One more, which is prophecy. 
Uh, I'll, I'll try to do this one quickly. Uh, what is prophecy? Prophecy is to report something divinely revealed. Okay? To report something divinely revealed. Um, it was divinely revealed through the Holy Spirit. It was divinely revealed through God, and then you're sharing it with other people. Um, but let me also keep on um, explaining a few more verses just to give this more context. Chapter 14, verse 3. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So this gift, when it's working, it's building people up. Okay? It's building them up. Sometimes it can trend negatively because there needs to be some repentance, but ultimately the goal and the test to see, is this really true prophet? It's supposed to be building someone up, not tearing them down, building them up. Number four, the one who prophesies builds up the church. Okay, so it's, it's given, but if they're divinely revealed. You're sharing it with another person or with the church, ultimately from the Lord, and the purpose is to build up. But these are ultimately words that come from, the, from God. One more story, one more example. Um, so this one does involve Caitlin. So she went to our, our eye screening, I think it was a Tuesday, and she was on greeter ministry, and so she's up front helping people through our eye screening. She's talking to a woman, she goes to her church around the area, and you could just tell, this is from, from uh, Caitlin's perspective, that she had a very close relationship with God. You can just tell, right? Uh, you're getting like heavenly vibes, I guess. And uh, so Caitlin felt like she wanted to pray for her, but there was no opportunity to pray. And then she went through the station, and then finally she was at a station where she just had to like sit down and wait. Caitlin was like, this is my chance to pray with her, goes, prays for the woman. She says, you know, I just want to, and they pray. So Caitlin prays for the woman, woman prays for Caitlin, and then afterwards, you know, you're supposed to say, okay, thanks, and then hug, and then go part ways. But the woman keeps on holding on to her hand. So Caitlin's like, okay. And then the woman says, you know, I'm a very visual person, and when I was praying for you, this is what I saw. And this is what she said. She goes, God has big plans for you, and it's not here. I can see you in a third world country, I don't know, a well, like digging wells or something humanitarian, helping people. Many people want to do this sort of thing, but they don't have the right heart for it. I can see that you do. And I can tell you're a really eager beaver to do the work. But be careful because people take advantage of people like you. Okay, so this is being shared with Caitlin. And I don't know if you guys know, but uh, in this past couple of seasons of time, Caitlin has been feeling God saying to her basically what that woman has just said to her, uh, which is like third world missionary calling. I don't know about the wells, but, you know, like young people and really investing her life and being called that direction. So here's me, okay? Here's a man full of faith. I'm like, hey, Caitlin, were you wearing anything like the, the, your missionary sweater or like, did you say anything just to kind of give away? She was like, no, no, I wasn't wearing. I was just, just being myself. She was actually doing most of the talking. Because I'm thinking, you don't say that to everyone that you pray for, right? I mean, they get weirded out, right? This is something that it was quite unusual, but totally spot on. So here's the effect of that. Caitlin, Caitlin was saying that it felt like God 
was affirming me in what he was calling me to do. Like, he's already been saying that in my heart. And now to hear it prophetically confirmed through an outside source is amazing, right? It, it just puts a whole other level on the calling. It energizes her calling. And this is definitely not just something from her, but something God calling her to do. Does that sound like prophecy? It sounds like prophecy at its best. Is that something that we could benefit from as a church? People being affirmed and built up in their calling, like what you're doing, you're doing for the Lord. Just imagine that on a wide scale. Um, all right, now I need to close this message, but I want to go back to that question, which is, do you believe that we need the gifts from 1 Corinthians 12 in order to become more mature, more energized in our mission, more firmly rooted in our identity in the Lord, and uh, it would make us just more mature? Do you think this is a good idea? I would have to say, yeah, when it's working properly, it sounds like a great idea. Is this something that you want for yourself? Is this something that you want to bless other people with as well? Can you imagine what would happen if people like came to church and like, yeah, I brought my friend to church and he went in the back to get prayer for his back or something like that and he'd been suffering from this chronic condition and he was totally healed. Then he goes around and starts talking about how amazing God is and he, he's talking, I mean, just imagine that happening in a church. Can you imagine um, coming to church and someone giving a prophecy over you where they are revealing certain things. There's no way they could know that. No way unless God was actually telling that person to give you those words to bless you. Can you imagine coming to church and being, or just in life, being in a challenging situation and you're, you're nervous and you're scared, but having this surge of unshakable confidence that God's going to do something, and then you move in faith and confidence. Do you think we need these gifts to be more spiritually mature? I think we do. Let me also ask you this. What kind of Christian life do you want to live? Do you want to live the kind of life where it's safe and predictable and you're in control and you're relying on human ingenuity and so really the hero of the story is kind of ourselves? Or do we want to live the lives where we don't rely on human ingenuity, but rely on the power of God? We're asking for spiritual gifts. We're taking risk in God's spirit. And then his spirit comes and divinely enables us to do way more than we could possibly do ourselves. And we stand back and we go, there's no way I could have done that. God is the hero. God is awesome. Let me tell you more about how awesome my God is. Let's pray. Father, I um, thank you that you have called us um, to live these lives where we have to depend upon you to actually do ministry and fulfill our mission. Teach us to be dependent. Teach us to ask. Teach us not to be self-reliant, but to be God-reliant. And help us to know um, not just um, the, the gifts that you've given us, but the needs that are out there so that 
we would have a heart to love people. And by loving people, we can move in these gifts that you'll give us to truly build one another up towards maturity, ultimately to give you glory. Help us in this. And for the next two weeks as we unpack spiritual gifts, uh, help us along. Help us see where we fit in. Help us to grow in our giftings and, and help us to be obedient to what Paul is calling us to do, which is to ask and pursue. Uh, I thank you that you are inviting us to a great adventure where you get glorified and we get all the joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.